welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazoska, and beside me is... Ben Durant. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, but at the same time, I'm kind of uh, sad. We're just... changing this up. Yeah, what are you, you started the show? <laughs> I wanted to start the show, but I'm, I'm sad because this is our second to last episode. So it's kind of melancholy here. Um, <sighs> It, 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 I got I got emotions. I got mixed emotions. This is a very exciting episode for us. This is the big get. This is the get that made me realize, yeah, I think we could really put a book together with this. You know, like when we did our Twin Peaks Unwrap the book, it was once we, we locked in Kyle McLaughlin interview. This is 2019. We were able to get this interview and uh, it's it's so special. It means so much. I'm, I'm so excited that we can now share this with everyone. And without further ado, here is Kyle McLaughlin. Well, thank you for your time. Of course. Of course. Thanks for your interest. I know uh, you guys are passionate about Twin so that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna get started with um. You know, David Lynch has said you were born to play Dale Cooper. Do you think you were born to play him? Um, absolutely. Who am I to question <laughs> the uh, the wisdom of David Lynch? Yeah. Absolutely born to play him. Yeah, he was. Um, I slipped into that black suit pretty easily. You know, I wonder if it's just you as a person, because I mean, yeah, you just have, it seems like you have the humor and, and the charm that you naturally have to fit that character. Um, you know, so much of that was written in the, the script, and I just kind of took that and expanded it and made it my own. And, you know, we, uh, we sort of found it together, David and I, really. I mean, you know, he, <clears throat> he had certain mannerisms and I'm speaking now of the course of the first incarnation yeah. uh, that I adopted uh, as Dale Cooper, some of the hand clasping in front of the body, you know, mm. some of the int intonation and, and delivery. And and we both are fairly enthusiastic people. Uh, yeah. So that wasn't uh, that wasn't too difficult. And uh, but at the same time, it was really important that he wasn't he was quirky. Yes, but he he was also there. And there was a serious side to him as well, which it was important to uh, bring out from time to time, just to remind people that this this wasn't all about sort of the, the crazy, wonderful world of, of the town of Twin Peaks. Can you tell us the story of how David called you and then wanted to meet with you to talk about maybe coming back to Twin Peaks? Um, sure, so we are, um, pretty close, almost neighbors in Los Angeles. Well, we are neighbors, really. Um, he's uh, kind of down around the corner and down the street. And so we, we are friends and we, we hang out together uh, when I'm in Los Angeles. And and I always would bring up, you know, sort of um, obliquely the idea of going back to Twin Peaks. This is this is during the time between the first and the second of course. Mm -hmm. And he was always sort of cagey, you know, and never really, yeah, didn't really, wasn't really connecting. And so years go by and then um, he reaches out to me and sort of says he needs to talk to me about something. And, and so either I, I, I knew that there was, he had something brewing, you know, but I wasn't, I didn't, had no idea that it was going to be Twin Peaks, but he said uh, he couldn't speak with me over the phone. He needed to be in person. So I said, okay. So he, um, he was going to be in New York 
um, you know, in a couple of days. So we made a meet place where he was staying and, and I went over to see him in the hotel and we sat down and he just really just said to me, how would you feel about going back to Twin Peaks? And I, I said to him, you know, David, I said, I never really left Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. So, so there, so, um, and he, that's all he really needed to hear was that I was back in and, uh, and then he didn't really elaborate, but said there were going to be some things that were going to be really challenging and nothing really specific. And, uh, and I said, that sounds great. So, um, off they went to write the script and I actually, um, when I was back in LA, he would give me the, uh, certain, uh, hours. We, they weren't episodes. They were mm-hmm. just hours. Uh, we never referred to them as episodes, certain hours to, to read, to look through just to give me a sense. And so he would hand me the script and I would over at his house and I would go off to a little, uh, location there, a little exterior location. And I'd sit and I'd read the material and I'd come back and hand him back the scripts. And, you know, it was very compelling and interesting and confusing and exciting mm-hmm. and all the things that it was in the, you know, when we finally actually uh, brought it to life. But I, it became clear to me really quickly that the, the demands on the, my, on my work, you know, was going to be extreme, you know, because of the characters and, and, but I was also very excited to do what needed to be done. And I recognized immediately that the character of Mr. C had to be absolutely the most dangerous person you've ever come across. And, as an actor, you know, when anytime you say, okay, he's the most dangerous person in the history of the world, <laughs> it's a little daunting. But yeah. I said, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll find our interpretation of that. David and I, you know, together, we'll work together and we'll figure out what that is, what makes sense. And um, so, you know, it was a process. And, and the character of Dougie was, was kind of came um also challenging but was a little bit was quicker to play and a little more fun obviously yeah um and so those we i developed that with david as well so you know we we spoke with uh, sabrina sutherland and she had told us that uh you know the first time in the casino with you acting uh she didn't even recognize you that she (laughs) she was always stuttering like she she was shocked by how well you played dougie Oh, <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember the first time acting with Sabrina and, and, and maybe how she responded to it? Yes, I think she was, you know, it, it, in those situations, it's, it's always challenging because we're all friends. We've known each other for years. Yeah. And you kind of have to, uh, you have to pretend, you know, and you kind of, you, so you're, you're now, I'm now relating to her in a different way that I would, than I would relate to her, you know, just in a day to day. Um, and so I think for a moment, that's, it's a little bit shocking to realize that the, the, the responses from me that she's used to, you know, whether it's facial mannerisms or, you know, um, language, whatever are, are now different. So I think it takes everybody like a, a beat to sort of figure that out. That was, that was really the case. Um, again, going back to Mr. C when I was uh, working with David and, and Laura Dern, mm. you know, we know each other very well. Um, and uh, having to relate to them in the, as the character of Mr. C, where there's absolutely no humanity in there at all, that was really difficult for me because I, you know, these are my good friends, you know, and so when I had to look at them as just objects, it was very uh, disconcerting actually mm-hmm. to me. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, you've never really played such a bad guy in any of the acting uh, movies or TV shows that I've ever seen you in. So to, to, how did you find that character? I mean, how do you prepare for such an evil character? 
you know, you, um, you you start with the script and what mm. and what it tells you, uh, what it gives you, um, and that's a that's always the best way. And then you you know have to f- just kind of read between the lines and figure out what the reality of that character might might be and what he might feel like given his uh, the circumstances of of how long he's been in this uh, dimension and you know what kind of things what does he like what does he not like you know pretty pretty simple and then go forward to um as he's not of this world um how does he function in the world so start plugging in all these uh, questions really and mm-hmm. they hopefully will you know give you answers and then you know it's about creating not only the interior life but the exterior life of the guy and that was a process that was layers of you know finding the hair and finding the the look of the makeup and uh, you know the lenses the contact lenses and then that jacket and everything needed to be a certain way and thankfully I had the the eye David Lynch on that as an artist and mm. as a creative person, and then you know he's got intuition, you know, coming out of his out of his eyeballs. So he just, it's all you know. There's a, there's a feel mechanism, a feel your way through it. That he and I both um, were engaged in, and we and we landed. I think in a really good place for Mr. C. Yeah, I mean, it's better than I could even imagine. I mean, I've been a, a fan of Twin Peaks uh, for, since the beginning, since it first came on. And, you know, after the show ends, you think about, like, well, what could the the evil Cooper be like? And you never could picture him as good as you played it. So it is yeah. a fantastic job. Oh, thanks. That's really great. Thank you. I look back at some of the banging the head against the glass and sort of that, and um, we, we evolved him quite a bit from just that. Really kind of, but then at the same time, you know, that would be that's the beginning. That's the first sort of inhabitant. And he's been around for 25 years. So that's going to, you know, it's going to evolve as well. So, yeah. Your go to do Twin Peaks, and then there's a period of time where David says he's not going to do it. I was just wondering what's going through your mind where you're on board to do this, and then David might not do the show. You know, I I just you know this is there's a there's the creative side of things, and then there's the business side of things, yeah. and this was certainly the business side of things, and that's where David was working his way through it with um, all the folks at Showtime, and I just you know I just kind of trusted it and and hoped that it would work out um but i also knew that if it didn't work out it would have been for very good reasons being that david wouldn't have had the the kind of control that he wanted you know and that he at at, you know at this particular point in his career absolutely um is is uh um entitled to you know i mean this is this is how he works And, and so um if we were going to go back and make the Twin Peaks. He was going to make it the Twin Peaks that he wanted to make. He was going to, you know, do everything. And Showtime had to go along with his vision. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what what was done. I, I sort of stepped back and let let that unfold. Um, I didn't think really that my contribution at that time was something that was going to be helpful. Yeah. So I just said, you know, let's let let them work it out and 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 so that they're comfortable and then. Hopefully it will fall in favor of David and we'll be able to go forward. And, you know, David Nevins, who was was the head of Showtime at that at that point, was was, uh, you know, very accommodating, I think. And and really, really uh, wanted wanted David to have all that he needed 
and they were able to come to terms and and you know the rest is history so yeah. it's all good it's great that david's able to make it the way he wanted to make it yeah yeah oh absolutely that was i think i i, I can imagine and I, I wasn't really privy to all the ins and outs but i imagine that was part of what he was going for you know definitely and so on the first day of shooting do you remember who was the first character that you came on to set as yeah mr c so we were shooting and we did all of the all of the locations in seattle were filmed first um, so that means the very end of the show was filmed um, wow. in those first few weeks. And there was a sequence where I'm actually, I show up at the um, police station, sheriff's oh. station there. And I'm kind of walking across and I see Andy for the first time. Hmm. And it was, really, it was, you know, it was a bit challenging because it wasn't a contained space. It was daytime. It was in the light. And I wanted to make sure that there was still the power to him because he was on his way to to uh, was was going to be there to take out um, Sheriff Truman and waiting for Cooper and everything. So he was about to do some serious damage. So uh, we just picked it up right in the middle. But um, everybody felt pretty good about it, and and you know we we shot there for a couple of days. Yeah. So Mr. C was the first first, and then and then I think I changed either that same day or the next day into Cooper as we come screaming mm -hmm. into, you know, the, the latter part of the scene. So I, I was able to do both characters um, straight away. Nice. Wow. And we've, on the, the Blu-ray, they have behind footage, and it's nice to see the interaction between David and you on the set for the first time and looking at it. And it, it was a great scene. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to have all that. There was a, a videographer there the whole time, and I'm, I'm sure there's you know, days of footage. So yeah. um, <laughs> I haven't seen, I haven't seen that yet, but uh, yeah, that's cool. It's cool that he was there tracking everything. Cause I, that's just part of the joy of working with David is, mm -hmm. is exactly that is this, you know, is that we have such a shorthand. We've known each other for so many years. Um, it's kind of crazy how long it's been, but um, yeah. you know, you immediately slip back. It's like an old shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Would you usually just play one character a day shooting, or could there be a chance where you switch between I mean, costumes and, and... Uh, yeah, there was some switching going on. That wow. was always a little challenging. Yeah, um, not a lot. Fortunately, they were able to board it in such a way um, that it was usually one or the other. Primarily, really, more than anything, um, I think it had to do with just downtime. You know, kind yeah. of shift, switching from one character and cleaning up, getting back into the next character. It wasn't a long time, but in, in this instance. You know, I mean, time is money. So they want to make sure that there's no sort of dropped time. So it had less to do with my comfort and more to do with just saving money. Mm -hmm. sure. And so getting into Dougie, do you see Dougie as Cooper with amnesia? Um, kind of, yeah. He was. He's definitely, um, he's like a baby, obviously. And, yeah. and so he experiences everything in the world that he experiences this for the first time. Now he, I debated how much of a, of a memory he had, but I said, no, he's got to have a memory. So once he does something kind of like a, like a baby, mm -hmm. he sort of remembers and it becomes, you know, a pattern. It's like training a dog or something, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, but he was definitely, um, Cooper was inside, um, but he just was not able to connect with him. It's just like the, 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 you know, the plug and the fuse, uh, and the, it just wasn't, wasn't connecting, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so for whatever, for whatever reason, you know, but he definitely 
that way it was really challenging. We we had years and years and years ago. It's so funny how this works because I went to, you know, I went to, to training school, acting training school at the University of Washington, three years of, of acting study, <laughs> and one of the one of the exercises that I remember that we did in class is called object discovery, <laughs> and the whole point of the exercise is to come up on something, and you have to imagine that you have never seen it before, whether it's a fork. Um, <laughs> a book, a car, whatever, the sound, wow. and you have to react to it as if you've never seen it before. So how would you approach that object? What do you do? How do you hmm. interact with it? Blah, blah, blah. So I used, funny enough, I went back to the archives, so to speak, and I really, um, I sort of just, that was how it all worked. Something. You know, the one of the scenes that I love is when we're in the back, I'm in the backyard and my, my son is giving me... Um, uh, Sonny Jim's giving me a, a, a mitt there, and I'm standing, and he throws the baseball at me, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm like a child or a dog. I I don't know what that is or what's coming to me until it hits me in the head. And so the the challenge, of course, was not to react at all until after the impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you basically, and, and your obviously your tendency is to try to catch it or flinch or move, but this was uh, this was not the case for Dougie. So stuff like that. You know, each day were new challenges, and each day. We, we, you know, found the, the way through, you know, so it was a kind of a slow, steady pace and did a lot of laughing, um, you know, on the way through. And David was so encouraging, particularly like, you know, just some of the shtick and the coffee stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's meant to be funny, but absolutely without with no wink and no commentary and nothing. It just it's funny because it sort of sadly funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't help but laugh. And so there was a lot of that going on on the set. Nice. I, I want to mention to you, you know, we were at the uh, the Twin Peaks Film Festival in Washington, yes. and Sabrina was able to show us that episode. Episode 12. 12 and we're in, so we're in a restaurant. We're actually in... Uh, the Roadhouse. The road, basically where the Roadhouse uh, exterior was filmed. And so we're with right. a crowd, and when you get hit by the baseball, the whole room abrupts laughing and stuff. But it was yes. just a, a great moment. It kind of like, <laughs> it was just a great scene. I, yeah, uh, it was a great experience. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's that's nice to hear it. Um, what a, what a nice event. Everyone can share that. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was it like hearing and finding out that Laura Dern was going to be Diane? She was going to be a part of this. Oh, I was so excited. I was like, uh, it was one of those like aha moments. Like, of course, you know. And she was, of course, she'd be perfect to play Diane. And she came in with all, you know, Laura is an extraordinary actress and and so intuitive as well. And has worked with David obviously over the years. And she brought in so much of that character and created her. Um, it was really fantastic to see. She just filled it with such. She's so interesting, you know, yeah. I just uh, and I love working with her. She's just one of those uh, really just very, very special people. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And, was, and you have such great chemistry. You have such great. Yeah, chemistry you know, too. thank you very much. We we both have um, kind of a similar sense of humor where it's a kind of it gets a little bit wry at times, <laughs> you know, and um, and she's definitely in that of that same uh, style, you know, so. We have a lot of fun, and we, you know, we, we're not above, you know, making jokes about David at David's expense. But then, you know, he, he comes right back at us. So there's um there's definitely some some edgy humor uh, between all of us. Yeah. Did you ever imagine Diane as a real person, or was she really a means for you to have a monologue on your own? Well, you know, I kind of twofold. You know, one was really she was a great device, uh, you know, to be able to explain and talk 
um, about what was happening in Twin Peaks. Um, I think the, the wonderful thing was the char- the reveal of the character mm-hmm. in that opening episode when Cooper drives up to the mountain in the first Twin Peaks and how just what he does and how he comments, he's giving off information, but you're really what you're really doing is you're, you're learning about the quality of this guy through his observations, what's important to him, how he speaks, his cadence, everything that you know that goes on. So it was a great character reveal just in that one shot, just that one drive up the mountain. Yeah. Um, so, and I always thought it was probably I, I never really, you know, connected it with a face or a, a life that was somewhere else. So it was just for me, it was just kind of a device um, to really do my thoughts. And Diane mm. could have been anything, could have been a person, could have been the name of the tape recorder. Yeah. But I was I never made it specific for myself, which is actually kind of nice because I think there are so many different interpreters really open to interpretation Definitely. from the audience. Yes, yeah, I agree. We've had ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th, entering the town of Twin Peaks. It's five miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. I've never seen so many trees in my life. As W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. 54 degrees on a slightly overcast day, weatherman said rain. You get paid that kind of money for being wrong 60% of the time and be working. Mileage is 79,345, gauges on reserve, riding on fumes here. I gotta tank up when I get into town. Remind me to tell you how much that is. Lunch was uh, $6.31 at the Lamplighter Inn. That's on Highway 2 near Lewis Fork. That was a tuna fish sandwich on whole wheat, slice of cherry pie, and a cup of coffee. Damn good food. Diane, if you ever get up this way, that cherry pie is worth a stop. Okay. I'll be meeting up with the uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Shouldn't be too hard to remember that. We'll be at the Calhoun Memorial Hospital. Guess we're going to go up to intensive care and take a look at that girl that crawled down the railroad tracks off the mountain. When I'm pretty sure I'll be checking into a motel. I'm sure the sheriff will be able to recommend a clean place, reasonably priced. That's what I need. A clean place, reasonably priced. Oh, Diane, I almost forgot. Got to find out what kind of trees these are. They're really something. You've mentioned in the LA Times about Cooper. This is season three that Cooper um, had more of a presence in the script. Can you share anything more about that? You mean that he was more? Well, the um, there was at, uh, during the filming. There were moments where he had some lucidity. You, primarily when he was communicating with Al Strobel, the one-armed man, when he had uh. connected to that world, and and. And then, and we shot those. And then ultimately, I think David decided that, that wasn't part of the story that he wanted to expose. So we just, it just, it just didn't make it into the, into the, um, into the series. Yeah. Um, but there were moments, yeah. I mean, there weren't a lot, but there were a couple where you, you, you did get a taste of that. But, but at the same time, I sort of feel like, you know, for, for whatever his reasons, I think the the despair that people felt and, and that grew over time uh, that Cooper might not actually ever return was much more powerful. And to be honest, the reveal at the end when he does finally wake up was a moment that people, you know, uh, really, really responded to. So, oh, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I, I see that argument too. So, you know, we didn't, David and I really didn't discuss it, but 
Yeah, that was part of it. Yeah. And I do see Dougie as Cooper. I mean, we've already said that, that yeah. in some way you get the best essence of of Cooper, whether he he knows somebody's lying, he's good at gambling, I mean, he loves coffee. So you get the <laughs> essence of Cooper throughout the whole season or series. He's there. Yeah, yeah he's there. He's just very muted. <laughs> <laughs> Having read the whole script, do you see this sequence of events mostly staying the same in the final version of the show, or did the final version uh, kind of show dramatically change? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, did it evolve with with Lynch adding new uh, script stuff and and through the editing process, did it change a lot? No, not really. I, I, to be honest, I think, um, and I think this is true of, of David's work. Once he once he writes it, and he writes, you know, it's. It's not like we're we're shooting a um, you know a draft. Um, this is it's really really refined, That's you know, true. to David's to David's uh, perspective, his point of view. So we shot everything you know pretty much there. Now now we, while filming, there might have been certain things we've tried, very slight variations, but nothing that was significant enough to to, to alter the story yeah. markedly. You know what That's I mean? It was enough. all all right there. Yeah. Uh, you've done stage, you've done screen, but you know Twin Peaks was the first time you really had done television. What was that experience like for first realizing you're doing a week to week show? Uh, not so much different than film, to be yeah. honest. My film experiences were were pretty uh, w- wide at that point in time. I mean, everything from Dune. I started up from Dune, which is a, its own kind of beast, hmm. um, to a, a kind of a long lull before Blue Velvet, which was the second. Again, both with David, so that was yeah. the, that was the common thing. The Blue Velvet was was much 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 smaller, and I think everybody was much more comfortable and and kind of understood the, the story and. It's um, you know it, there was a lot of moving parts in Dune I guess and and then shortly after that I did um, the movie called The Hidden which yeah. was a kind of a departure but also had some kind of actually early early Dougie stages in hmm. some ways a little bit of the object discovery with this character that kind was fun to, to alien explore. yeah hmm. yeah exactly and didn't quite know what to, you know how to react to this uh, human environment and and then the the Twin Peaks thing was really something that I. I was very excited. I tell you, I was primarily excited because the character. I I liked the character, and and you know, I, it's not that I was having a hard time, but you know, struggling a little bit in Los Angeles with film, and you mm-hmm. know, things are coming and stuff, but it's not really consistent yet. And and this was finally like a character that I said, this is a great character, um, and I get to work with my friend David, you know, and I said, mm-hmm. okay, this this could be fun. So I didn't even really think. You know, TV versus film, and and there still was a little bit of that stigma at that time. I think it's that's pretty much been shattered. True. Um, right now, and and most actors that I know of that I grew up working with are very excited to work in and in, in the world of television. You know, particularly with all the the variety of content and shows that you can do. And unless you're um, a superhero in a superhero movie, which is you know obviously fun, a lot <laughs> of fun, and very um, lucrative, um, you know there's there's the, the the good ones are sort of few and far between. So, mm. so this is pretty. It's really nice to be to be working um, where I'm working, and yeah. 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 So there was no no thought about it really. Yeah. So you shoot the pilot and then kind of after the pilot, you have uh, the Red Room sequence where it was kind of tacked on. As an actor, you're like, OK, you're going to make it an old man. People <laughs> are going to be talking backwards. I mean, what, what was your first what was your feelings about, you know, shooting the Red Room? 
uh, that was you know, that was definitely odd. I, 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 I you know, it's, it's David, so you know you're going to go on to some interesting. You're going to be in, in in some interesting environments. Um, I thought it was pretty cool and felt very otherworldly at the time. The whole pilot and and the first movie of Twin Peaks, and I say movie because it was actually built to be um, close-ended. We shot it as if they called it at that time a backdoor pilot, which Mm. means if it did not get picked up, then at least ABC could air it as a movie of the week. That's when I think they still had movies of the week back then. So they they put an ending on it. So they closed it up. But I don't think that was ever, I mean, David, I don't think David's intention was to ever close it up, but he sort of had to do it. So we filmed that end sequence. That whole sequence made its way into episode two or three, I think. Yep. I don't remember which one it does. Yeah. Where they finish it up with Frank in the basement with the candles and all that kind of stuff. Because that sort of dream sequence. Um, but the whole Red Room stuff was, you know, you kind of do it. And it's very strange because Mike Anderson's there, little Mike, and he's walking backwards. He was actually very proficient at talking backwards. And David, and fortunately, I didn't have to speak backwards, but you know, everyone else did. And I was like, what's this going to be like? I had no idea. <laughs> it seemed very strange. And then you saw it and you were like, whoa, that is pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, so you don't really appreciate it until, of course, you see it and it's, and it's played, it's played, you know, backwards. And then you go like, wow, it's pretty awesome. And they were all, and Mike in particular was pretty good at being able to make the sounds believable as words yeah it's yeah. very cool what was it like being directed by mark frost so the season finale of the first season uh mark actually directed that episode oh well, mark's a very super talented director as well and and has a great sense of humor um and knows how to tell a story um so i think you know this it's pretty much you just kind of follow the blueprint of the script um, and we had a great time and had a good laugh and he he was terrific um and that was true really of all the directors we had a really really interesting mix of of people directing those first seven episodes you gotta remember we weren't shooting them and then airing them we shot everything and then banked it you know what i mean so we had no idea of knowing they're all finished of what what the reception was going to be but we know we bought we filmed these seven episodes and then we were going to see what happened and then um they came out and of course everything exploded Totally. Yeah. There's always been a lot of talk about like the the audrey cooper romance i always wondered what your feelings was that about that was you know, it was um, it was sort of a, a, of a charming, uh, you know, little diversion for Coop. And she was obviously fascinated with him, infatuated with him. And I thought that was great. But I, I said to the guy, I said, you know, this really this really can't continue. I mm-hmm. said, she's in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, you know, I mean, I, I know it's sort of alluring and interesting, but, um, you know, that, that let's we this shouldn't really we can't really make this uh, part of it, you know. Um, so they, you know, they they resisted a little bit, but I said I'm pretty adamant about it. So uh, they ultimately kind of wrote around that, and um, and it didn't end up being sort of the Audrey Cooper romance. Um, I didn't feel I didn't feel it was right, yeah, you know, yeah. for the character for the story. So you know, right or wrong, that was you know that was those are the choices that were made at the time. Yeah, and I was 15 at the time seeing Twin Peaks, so I was kind of like, oh, they're together. And, you know, we're older now, and Brian here, or the co-host, yeah. was like, that's inappropriate. And like, I, we're older now, and yeah. you understand that, but I think as a, as a kid, you don't understand. I'm that. happy it didn't happen. <laughs> I always, like, it would change... Cooper, it would change Cooper dramatically. Um, well, I think thank it, you. That, yeah. that was my argument too. I just said, you know, he's got such a strong moral compass that, that to see that bend... In the face of, uh, albeit uh, a very lovely and attractive and, and um, sexy young woman, 
well, you know, I mean, I think we lose some Cooper there. So yeah. I was just trying to kind of that that was my position too. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Audrey, you're a high school girl. I'm an agent of the FBI. So do you want me to leave or what? What I want and what I need are two different things, Audrey. When a man joins the Bureau, he takes an oath to uphold certain values. Values that he's sworn to live by. This is wrong, Audrey. We both know it. But don't you like me? I like you very much. You're beautiful, intelligent, desirable. You're everything that a man wants in his life. But what you need right now, more than anything else, is a friend. Someone will listen. So when did you find out who killed Laura Palmer? Uh, not until towards the, later on. Uh, you know, they, they kept that secret until um, well into the second season. And, uh, you know, all the signs were kind of pointing towards Leland, but no one was really sure. And then we get the script and say, yes, that's what it was. And, and it was, you know, it was very, very difficult to imagine that. Um, and I don't know if Ray knew from the beginning. I kind of wager he didn't, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and because he never sort of, you know, revealed anything, I never gave anything away, which made it even more compelling. But um, and, and I, 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 but then I sort of was like, oh, the, the idea of this possession, and then it turned on, turned to a different thing that he was actually released from this awful torture was like, oh, okay, that there's something bigger out there that is doing this that's even more dangerous and 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 more frightening which was a track that went into the movie this uh, fire walk with me and then ultimately came out in the the, yeah, the uh, season three yeah yeah definitely yeah. so your brother craig he played a dead body in season two he was i think he's been in your stand-in yeah. he's been involved with fire walk with me what was it like working with your brother he was great. You know, he um, he came in, um, he was in L.A. and kind of you know, looking for something to do. And and he's incredibly well organized and good with people. And, I, you know, I, I think David asked him, I don't quite sure how he got involved, but he was a P.A. on the set for Twin Peaks. So he's, you know, he was, uh, which is kind of the low man on the totem pole. But um, he took that in stride and, you know, he's very capable. So, you know, had he just wanted to continue a career in film and that kind of side of things he would have been he would have done very very well probably would be a first ad by now but he was doing it just more for fun and so they thought it would be kind of kooky to have him and at that time he had super super long hair because he was in a band <laughs> or maybe he had just finished his work with the band so he um he uh they, they stuck him in the chair and made him a victim of Wyndham yeah Wyndham Earl. <laughs> he, he loved it yeah he had a great time he loved doing that and uh you know, he would wrangle all the actors, you know, trying to get them to the set on time. And, and uh, he had his hardest time with Michael Onkin because Onkin would finish the scene before they would turn around. He would, like, make a beeline for his trailer and end up taking off all of the sheriff's gear, you know, <laughs> which, you know, he had the gun and the hat and the thing. And then, and then, and then they'd call him back to set and he'd, be, he'd come to the door and he'd be like, you know, dressed in his T-shirt and underwear. And he'd be like, Craig would be like, Mike. Mike, we got to get back to the set, man. Come on. So somehow Craig was able to, you know, finagle him and get him back in time. But yeah, there's lots of stories like that. And do you have a favorite memory of working on season three? 
and I would say this to myself in the morning, I'd get up, you know, at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning, whenever I had to get up to get to work. And I, you know, I would be like, I am so excited to go to work. So it was sort of like in my kitchen before mm. I would go to work, I'd make my coffee and I'd have like a little something to eat. And I got up early enough to be able to sort of, I wasn't, it wasn't like a roll out of bed, fall into the car type of thing. I mean, I drove myself too, which I, which I really like to do. Mm. Just to prep. And I just, the whole thing was like, I'm going to go work with, with my good friend, David, we're going to oh. be working on something that I'm so proud of. And I'm, I'm so excited to be this character. And I feel like it's going really, really well. And I love the people involved. It was just kind of all of that was, was every day was like a, was like a joy yeah. um, in the work, in the work process. So nice. that was really, it, really it for me. Yeah. I, yeah. Every day was, was special. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. My pleasure, guys. You've been, a, it's been. A, thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm, and and keeping Twin Peaks alive. That's it's really good. Thank you, Kyle, for that interview. That was just so cool to be able to get to talk to him. And you know, I had pages and pages of notes and stuff to talk to him. And like. He, with, with all of our our interviews that we've done, we have a very short period of time, or depending on what, yeah. what the schedule with the cast and the crew and stuff like that. So there was no way we were going to get through every question. But the smart thing is, is we we decided to stick, kind of start with season three, so we were able to at least ask kind of new questions that were you know that maybe hadn't been asked before. Right. It's tough because he's heard a lot of the older stuff probably a million times. But getting that season three stuff was kind of cool, and to have that something special for our book. Because Kyle, there's nothing in print of Kyle talking about season three like our book has. Uh, I think that's really special. And man, it was it was surreal. It was right up there with David Duchovny. Hearing him talk to us on our phone, it just, I can't get over it to this, to this day. I, it gives me chills that we got to talk to these folks and they want to talk to us, which is, I, I don't know, I'm blown away. It is, it's quite amazing. It, yeah. <laughs> we're not worthy. We're yeah. not worthy. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it, you know, um, I, I'm speechless to the fact that you got, I mean, Ben, I, you, you deserve all the credit here because you are the man that just, you don't take no for an answer. And you will get these folks somehow, some way. The only no we've ever gotten is David Lynch. So. And even that wasn't a no, no when you think about it, because he was so awesome that he did a video for our, our watch party that, right. on cast. And that was something that he did a, a special video just for them. So to me, that was the yes. And I mm. mean, that's all I can ask for. I don't, we don't need it always to be on our show. It was still something for the community. And so to me, to me, I, I think there was like probably like five people I would really, from Twin Peaks, I would want to talk to, where it'd be Sharon Fenn and, and Kyle McLaughlin and Mark Frost and David Lynch. And I, I'm sure there was one other one. I can't even think where the fifth one is now. But those are some big people. And we really gotten to talk with all of them or they've all contributed to this podcast in some way. And that means so much that we got that. Right. Uh, you hit, We hit them all. We really hit them all. Uh, and Kyle, you know, we've had our run-ins with Kyle. We met him at the Festival of uh, Disruption. Um, you got to shake his hand outside and tell him thank you for, you know, entertaining us for all these years. And then you were like, Brian, I'm going to New York. I'm going to go have dinner and wine with Kyle McLaughlin. A week after we did this interview, we did this interview. And a week later, uh, he had a, a wine tasting in New York. 
and right it was dinner and so we we, <laughs> we got i got to spend hours with kyle you know just hanging out drinking and uh eating great food so cool so um it was like a kyle like week you were high on kyle mclaughlin pretty much Right? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty so, cool. So cool. Such a nice guy. I mean, it's funny because for so many years, I mean, he doesn't go to the festivals, and he, he at least when, especially when he was younger, he seemed like he's more reserved and he wasn't as engaged with fans. I think maybe he's gotten older and maybe he's more he's more comfortable with with the fans. And now, I mean, he, I love that he's done things on TikTok or on uh, social media. He's done all these videos and really engaged with the fans. And I think that's awesome. I think that's great that we're living in the right time to get to hang out with Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Ben. It's totally true. And I think with uh, the pandemic, it really helped. It kind of made actors and people kind of connect with their fans differently. And I think Kyle embraced that. And I think that's really cool. He also did a video for our watch parties as well. So that was cool. He, he, he played himself, he played Cooper. He came out as Cooper and, uh, and just said hi to the, to the fans. So that was again, really nice and generous of him that when I think we're all kind of having a difficult period in, in COVID that he would uh, record something for the fans. So that was something else. Yeah, that was another, that was crazy. You know, it's one thing that get to interview them, but to see a, a personalized video, I think it's just like super special. So, yeah. so thank uh, you, Kyle, again, if, you, if for some reason, if you're listening to this, thank you for your, <laughs> your being generous and, and giving of your time it means so much. Yeah, totally. Well, Ben, um, I guess, you know, next week, June 28th, we'll be dropping our final episode. I'm not going to even tell you really what we're going to th- We're going to be talking about a lot of things. You just have to tune in to hear us. But I guess I, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been on this journey with us, new and old. If you just discovered us, awesome, because you got a lot to listen to. And if you've been with us this entire time, thank you so much for putting up with us, with our getting names wrong you know all that stuff you know we're not perfect but we always like to be entertaining and we get a lot of great emails saying how much they love the show so thank you so much also we want to say that Twin Peaks Unwrapped the book now is in its second printing it is print on demand through Amazon we were not expecting this it's not something we were planning on but our publisher said we, we sold out the first edition we can do this People still want your book. And when we announced we had sold out, there was a few folks who were like, I was sitting on it. I hadn't mm-hmm. bought it yet. I wish I had bought in it. And um, so to those folks, now you can buy it and you can buy it at better shipping costs through Amazon. And it's global now. Global, any country you're in, you should be able to get yourself a copy with better shipping. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. This book can outlive us, hopefully, and and people can enjoy it. Because, on like I said uh, to you, Ben, people are just discovering our show every probably every month. There's new people. We have a book ad almost on every show. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, oh, God, I have to take all those ads down <laughs> because I don't want people thinking we have a book out when we don't. But now it's all good. So the, you can still go to bluerosemag.com and buy it it just redirects you so and if you have a comment a question or a theory about today's show give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com you can like us on facebook you can follow us on twitter give us that five-star review on itunes 
subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And next week, we'll, we'll see, see you, you at the at curtain, the curtain call. call.